Hi, and welcome to Redefining Outbound, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, David Bentham, Director of Sales Development at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for Outbound. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Redefining Outbound. Um, Thank you for tuning in. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by uh, Michaela Weber, um, the VP of Strategic Business Development at BigCommerce. So good to have you on, Michaela. Thanks a lot, David. Happy to be here. Awesome. Um, Michaela, um, just to kick off, why don't you um, uh, give uh, the listeners a bit of an introduction to yourself? Sure. So I'm Michaela Weber, I'm based in London, but you can tell from the accent that um, I'm originally from the US. And so I run our strategic business development team in EMEA at Big Commerce, which is a lot of corporate jargon to say I'm responsible for our technology partners um, and our channel team, which includes agencies. So really making sure that we are going to market uh, with our partners in the best way possible to win business, uh, win joint business with merchants um, and deliver a great experience for those merchants once they get onboarded to our platform. Fantastic. Um, and it, it's a little bit different to, to our usual guests in, um, in the sense that most of the time we kind of get SDR leaders on, we get we get a lot of AE leaders. So I think um, this should hopefully be a really fantastic conversation. Um, I suppose the, the first question that we always ask everybody is, what does redefining outbound mean to you? And I think I'm, I'm particularly interested in this one from your side, um, you know, which in, in the sense that it might not be the traditional outbound lens that we, we usually talk about. Yeah, so my, I actually started, had a job early in my career, cold calling. So very uh, typical smiling and dialing, daily whiteboard, everyone kind of putting in their stats. So it's something that I, I've done in my past. And I think it's such an amazing skill set as a, to kind of start off in, in your sales career or sales and, and channel sales partnerships. So for me, in my current role, I'm really working with, with my team to look for opportunities to use our partner ecosystem to enhance our targeting. So make it, trying to make outbound as warm as possible. And that looks like really understanding our partners, you know, our ideal customer profiles with them. Maybe if we're really strong in a specific vertical, like construction, helping our SDRs and our sales teams understand the right proposition to go out to a merchant in that sector that would help them solve a pain point or understand um, how to how they could use our solution. So the redefining outbound part is really how can I use partners in a really smart way to try to warm up some of those leads or, or make things really relevant when you are outbounding um, and going out looking for new sales opportunities. Fantastic. Um, so I'd love to get some insight into Big Commerce's perspective on B2B buying behavior. Um, you mentioned the movement away from kind of uh, like legacy e-commerce sites um, and the influence of B2C. Um, is there a chance that you could unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, so it's B2B is so interesting in terms of the evolution of the past few years. I think initially a lot of B2B websites were fairly clunky, not focused on customer or user experience kind of a utilitarian, like the pickup truck 
you know, of, of, <laughs> of, of vehicles that you could use versus B2C, where that notion of customer engagement, conversion, understanding your seg- segmentation, targeting, there's so many tech partners and businesses that have come up on that personalization side. So what we've seen is actually these B2B customers have kind of looked over the fence and said, hey, actually, I'd like some of these bells and whistles. And B2B companies are understanding that in order to effectively, you're still selling to an audience, you know, running a B2B site. So actually, it does make sense to have use segmentation tools, to have more advanced payment methods. We're seeing more and more um, B2B buy now, pay later, for example, where companies are offering some working capital products, other things to their end B2B merchants. So it's been really interesting to see B2B websites become more feature rich and more focused on user and customer experience, um, kind of in step with some of the changes we saw in B2C sites and still continue to see. That's awesome. Um, and I would love to get into the nitty gritty of the organization's strategy. Um, you know, like how's the sales team approaching their strategy right now? Um, and especially within the like current more um, difficult environment that we're in. Yeah, so we have, have a great competitive advantage in the current macro environment in that one of our real selling points is that we have a low, lower total cost of ownership for merchants. So that empowers our sales team and our SDR team to be able to go out to merchants to help them understand that moving to a platform like big commerce actually could result in not only top line growth in terms of increased conversion, but also in a total cost savings. So in the macro where we've seen more and more decision makers take a longer sales cycle, maybe take a step back from a big replatforming or a big digital change project that they were working on. Um, It's really powerful to have this specific point around cost of ownership um, and some of the cost benefits of moving to our platform. And we have an amazing SDR team uh, working here in Europe. So they do have, we do have a local language team as well. So depending on the market, um, we're also working with our sales leaders to understand market nuances. Um, but it's it's definitely been a more difficult marketing environment, difficult sales environment. Um, but like I said, having the, the kind of cost advantage um, has been a real advantage for us as we're going out and trying to compete in a more difficult economic macro. Awesome. And so um, your role obviously entails partnerships as well. Um, really interested in how like that dynamic works in terms of the way that you're supporting the, like from a partnerships perspective, the sales team. Um, yeah, curious. Yeah, so the, this, I, I always joke with our sales team that they, you know, they think that I have like an enterprise leads printer in my basement and I'm just like working with the partners to print leads out and that's the expectation that I, you know, hand them these super hot things all the time. Um, but realistically, We do have some partners who bring us into opportunities where they're working with a merchant or they're pitching a merchant and they want to show up together with a joint solution. And that's obviously a best case situation for us um, to be working alongside a trusted partner that has a technology solution, or it could be an agency that's going to do the implementation that we know and trust and, and have 
a great relationship with. I think what we've seen more of as well is getting the sales teams together and helping to understand, as I said earlier, like what is that joint overlap? Is it fashion? Do we both have amazing prospects on fashion and can we put together a joint pitch and go out and be more aggressive at targeting those merchants? Um, are there specific, is there a specific uh, pain point that both of our solutions solve together? And so getting those AEs and those salespeople talking together on both sides, that's really helped us. Um, but ideally, in a perfect world, we are feeding the sales funnel with leads from, from our partner team. And marketing is a huge part of that. We do a lot of marketing with partners. We have an amazing partner marketing organization at Big Commerce. But I view my role as top of funnel lead generation to power our sales team to go out and you know, understand the merchant's pain points and use our kind of key USPs to close those deals. Okay, interesting. And on your first point, um, I think like, like really, you know, my partnership's knowledge is, is not fantastic. But I know in terms of our partner team, one of the struggles is that every salesperson goes, oh, I've got this account. And like, you know, can you, we leverage partnerships? But it's like happening all the time, right? Like how, how do you manage... I mean, I don't know whether that's that's also relevant for you for you and and your setup, but like, if it is, like, how are you managing like the sales team to to ensure that you're not constantly like you're you're, you're tactically using the partners that you've created without kind of them just becoming, uh, you know, I suppose becoming like fatigued um, from constantly being used. I suppose <laughs> it's a it's a great point. I think one of the things we do try to do is is be a bit tactical in terms of how how we're exposing our customer success teams and our SDR and, and AEs to our partners. But the thing that we've seen be really successful in building those partnerships is really also making efforts to send business both ways. Mm. And it doesn't always work for us because if you are a merchant looking to replatform or you're in discussions with big commerce, you may already have a payments partner or you may already have some marketing technology partners in your stack that you want to keep. But when we can introduce a partner in a deal, especially with a solution that is strong, working with our solution. So we have um, hundreds of hundreds upon hundreds of technology partner apps and integrations. Um, so when we can bring a partner in, we see a lot of success to have that kind of joint uh, two-way investment. And some of that is marketing as well, you know, co-hosting events, um, thought leadership, white papers, but it is a it is a fatigue because for my sales team, every technology partner that we have and agencies, they want to come in and do enablements to the sales team, right? I could schedule enablements 24 hours a day for months on an end and still have more content. And so I need to kind of manage the exposure to our team, but also make sure that my team has the right tools to be able to understand when it makes sense to bring a partner in, how they differentiate their solution from competitors. Um, so it's it's a delicate balance, but I think I just love the enthusiasm that that our sales teams do have for partners and going to market with partners. And certainly they can help us win deals uh, and keep merchants satisfied and growing their business, which is our overall goal. Fantastic. And you, um, you raise an interesting point there around like making sure that lead the lead flow back to the partners is fantastic as well. Like, do you have any tips for uh, people on how to incentivize their sales teams 
to you know like if if there is anybody that's a part you know in the partnerships team like how are you incentivizing your your sales team to like recognize those moments um uh where there could be a like a lead uh that could be given back to to the partners um because i know again that's something that i think like um here at Congress and we could we could be doing better is there any top tips yeah so it's really hard i think we've tried every spiff in the book, <laughs> you know, uh, gift cards, Visa gift, Amazon's on gift cards, the Ivy gift certificates uh, to London restaurant. So it, it is a challenge. We don't provide quota relief to our sales team when they make referrals outbound to partners. But the team that we have seen a lot of success working with is our, actually our customer success team. So they're the team that are working with existing big commerce merchants and they really start to know their business well. They can see the data. They can understand that maybe conversion rates aren't as high as they would have expected, or they're having actually a lot of um, interest in certain promotions, but maybe they aren't utilizing fully some of the MarTech advanced marketing automation tools you could use. So the CSM team for us is a really valuable resource to bring partners in that can solve some of those pain points that we start to see when we look under the hood of the business. Um, but definitely it is more art than science in my experience. And, and we do try to track and, and make sure, you know, we're keeping on top of some of the leads we do send out to partners, but it's actually a big focus for me in Europe in 20, in the fourth quarter of this year and next year on how we can be a bit more structured in how we refer business out to partners and also ensure that we're, uh, always keeping the merchant top of mind when we do make those introductions. That's really interesting. Um, we, um, because one of the things is like, you you know, if you incentivize the sales team too much, then they start selling other people's product more than your own as well, right? So you're always under that, that like having that battle. Um, I know that you, um, uh, you, you kind of like uh, uh, prospecting or, or uh, working in lots of different regions. Like what, what would you say are kind of your key challenges there and, 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 and any advice that you'd have there? Yeah, so we're learning a lot. Um, so I, I've had some global roles previously and worked, worked across in Asia and the US and, and EMEA. I think one of the challenges we have here in Europe is local language, local business customs, local partners. Um, so we have amazing, for example, enterprise resource planning, ERP integrations, but we may not be integrated with the small, a, a relatively small you know, Spanish ERP that a specific merchant wants. So the challenge for us is understanding what does it take to, to win in a specific market? And while we're still expanding in certain markets, we don't always have a local language speaker so for example, we're starting to do more business in the Middle East. We don't have a full sales engineer, salesperson, CSM that all speak Arabic. Um, so we do have an Arabic speaking sales engineer. We've got an amazing salesperson who's, who does business in the region in English. And so from a leadership team perspective, when is the right time to bring in a more local team to get a team on the ground? Um, what can we do from here? So that's been a real key learning. I'm actually off to Saudi Arabia for the first time next month and really excited to meet with partners and, and merchants and prospects in the market and just understand more about how our product will fit, 
what it takes to win, what kind of partnerships and agency relationships we need to build in order to be competitive there. Um, so always, always quite a lot of learning, but localization is really a key challenge because ultimately a lot of merchants do want to do business in their local language and work with someone who's really familiar with their, their country and their headquarters. And that's something that we're adding people you know, every month that have that local language experience as we continue to expand around the globe. Awesome. Um, if you don't mind, can we talk about retention for a moment? What's yeah. your um, strategy there? Well, our strategy is really, I think, I would say we do quite a lot of scorecard work. So health, customer health work and prevention, I think, is, is a strategy for us. So we are able to see merchant data, see which merchants are having changes in their revenue uh, changes in order numbers, buyer beha- visitor behavior to their website. And so we're working with our amazing customer success team to be more proactive with merchants when we do see potential changes to their business, opportunities for improvement. Um, but really, the churn prevention piece for us has been this very strong relationship between a customer success manager and the merchant. And that's something that in our mid-market enterprise core segments is really key for us. So we've invested quite a lot in implementation managers, solutions architects who can help ensure that post-sales pre-launch is a really positive period for the merchant, that we get their site live, they're happy with it, we have all the features and functionality that the salesperson promised, uh, you know, however many weeks before. And then once Are you implying that salespeople might overpromise him, Michaela? Never, never. <laughs> E-commerce team listening, you never oversell. Um, but you know, it's having that handholding experience is really powerful. And so we've seen such an great results for merchants who have that solutions architect implementation support. And then really careful handover on our side matters a lot. So that implementation manager solutions architect handover to customer success is a really key period we need the merchant to feel that they're getting someone who already knows a lot about them who understands their pain points you know why they chose big commerce in the first place maybe where they're going strategically with their business a lot of our merchants are looking to expand into other geographies maybe to operate new storefronts in different languages. Um, So helping our team to understand that vision so the merchant doesn't feel like they're getting a new face at every phase of the project. So that's really important. Um, But it is, it is a challenge. You know, I think everyone's very focused now on, on retention as are we. I think one advantage we do have is this, this cost of ownership piece, which in a more challenging uh, market environment does help us you know, remain competitive and, and work with the merchant to see the value of hosting their storefront or working with big commerce for their store. Fantastic. Um, to finish us off, um, I know it seems a little early as it's only August, but 2024 is really creeping up on us fast. Um, and I was just wondering what you think is going to be the core focuses uh, for sales leaders um, like in for 2024? Yeah, so the, the first one is to 
keep the SDRs happy. <laughs> so our our the way that my team is is incentivized and and the way that we work is we're generating leads, but then the SDRs are are really doing a lot of the legwork to get them through the sales funnel. So SDRs are an amazing stakeholder group for me and worth their weight in gold. So I really try to keep them happy and well-fed with, with excellent leads from our partners. The, the second piece that I'm working on with the team is we get so many inbound requests for new partners, and we absolutely do want to allow merchants to choose a best-of-breed partner uh, wherever they may be you know, for uh, a CMS system or marketing technology. But ultimately, we only have so much bandwidth from a partner manager and a marketing and go-to-market resource perspective. So we're looking to tighten up some of our prioritization and resources to really focus on partners where we've historically had a lot of commercial alignment and we know we have a good right to win. And so moving away from not a spray and pray approach, but a more peanut butter approach into something that is a bit more focused. Um, and then the third one is, you know, really continuing to go out and identify new partners where we do have a, a great customer overlap for our ideal customer profile. We may be expanding into the same mark, new markets. So with this Saudi Arabia trip, I've actually connected with a bunch of partners where we could do work with them in other markets. It just happens to be that we're both trying to explore a new market in the Middle East. And, and ultimately, we have quite a similar customer profile. So I think the third piece is continuing to build our partner network, continuing to see where it makes sense for us to work together to be able to drive some of that ultimately lead generation and hopefully closed one revenue. Awesome. Amazing. Um, Mikhail, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have um, for today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and joining us. Um, if anybody wants to find you, where's the best place to find you? You can find me on LinkedIn at Michaela Weber, um, W-E-B-E-R. Awesome. Amazing. Um, thanks very much, uh, everybody, for tuning in. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, hear from you very soon. Thanks.